put emphasis on the stories in the top 10. We tell you about the cutoff story at number 11. This story is Chicago White Sox manager Tony La Russa charged with DUI stemming from February arrest. ESPN posted this story on Tuesday, the 10th of November. And like we said, it's a cutoff. So if you want more more details on this one, check out our website. This is a conversation for this week's podcast. All the links to every single story from top to bottom are inside the link for this week's podcast. But we're not going to go too much deep detail for it right here. Right now, we're going to prepare for the ones you said were the most important, the top 10 stories this week. And a spoiler alert, we have three distinct super stories. We'll explain what they are, why they are, and what makes them so important. But those are coming up in just a moment here on the Weekly Wrap-Up with Jay Coven Payne for the week ending November the 14th, 2020. And welcome to the show. My name is Jay Cleveland Payne. The show's name, Weekly Wrap-Up. And the Weekly Wrap-Up wraps up news stories that we've posted all week long here inside of our social media attached to what's called the Conversation Project. Conversation Project, and this is theconversation.com. Uh, there's a very long, detailed, and sometimes sketchy history to the whole pro- process, but it's essentially a way to gather up the best conversations in the world. That's people who follow us on social media, to be honest. And figure out what news stories are actually more conversational, maybe more important than the ones that are out there as they're breaking news stories, headlines, and news media. Uh, Now, the election, pretty important. Coronavirus, very important. But there are also other things going on that you may miss because your particular news source or just the overblown news in general is stuck on the really, really, really big stuff. And so we post things. Sometimes they're extremely serious. Sometimes they're really silly and Sometimes the sources are a little sketchy, to be honest, but we post things all day long, 24-7. Uh, we post them about every 50 minutes on Facebook at This Is A Conversation and on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. And all you have to do to be a part of the voting process is to interact with those stories. Read them, please. But we want you to like them, love them, hate them, share them. The more interaction that a story gets, the higher score gets at the end of the week. We go from Friday about midnight to Friday about 5 a.m. every week, just, just in case something big pop happens up right before we cut things off. We put in a spreadsheet that weighs out the Facebook and Twitter into one big random score or one big total score that's not random, that's actually weighed out. And so it's fair, as fair as can be. Although Twitter does drive the the movement here in the countdown, and we'll explain more of that along the way. And we tell you what stories are at the very top, number one to ten, or actually ten to one from the countdown, and the story at the very bottom of the list, which is, of course, not 196 this week, 196 distinct different stories, and we'll give you some reason why. And this one basically follows the logic of most of the stories that at the bottom this time, it's something that's posted sometime on Thursday later in the day, so it has a hard time catching catching some traction. We've had some very weak stories that popped up early in the week this this uh, past couple of weeks, but this week we're more or less on track. Now, of course, this podcast and the whole movement that you, that is the Conversation Project powered by you. Not only do you help me pick the stories, but you also help me keep the lights on as well. So if you believe the content you're giving here is great, it gives you great chances for bigger conversations and some entertainment, check us out at this is the conversation.com slash partnerships and see if there's a way that you and I can get together and help keep this thing going. You can also just click on any link for any advertisement we have in any of our products. Either links down the feed in Facebook and Twitter, the newsletter, the website, anything that's out there. Click any links or support any of our sponsors, and that helps us out a gajillion, jillion times. And the best way you can help us out, make sure you actually subscribe to the podcast 
download it every week and share with other people who are like-minded into big conversational stuff. You can also reply to me with anything you love, anything you hate, or, you know, you can send me your cash app. We, we may work a deal out that way via the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Enough chatter, enough chit-chat, enough ram, 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 ram. Let's get into the story. Starting off at number 10. And this week is going to be a kind of a weirder week of stuff. Uh, we'll talk about the super stories and get to them. It's also two rapper shooting stories that are here. And obviously, I'm out of the, the age range that I really follow these younger rappers. But let's start off with a story. This has a lot of very, very big international implications. And I'm surprised it made it this high. But it kicked up pretty quick and stuck around long enough. A story at number 10. Ethiopia, par- Ethiopia Parliament dissolves Tigra leadership. Posted on Saturday, the 7th of November, this gets a bump in response from the number 11 story, which is why it's number 10, of 2.82%. Now, I'll talk a lot about the love we seem to get from Australia and Australian stories and New Zealand stories as well, and just just the spread of love we get from stuff that are overseas. A lot of folks in Ireland pick up on this, which is odd enough as it is, but this is one that um, it's, it's interesting that it popped up, and it's a, actually a pretty big deal. Especially as we're dealing with our own election system here in the United States, uh, this is a parliamentary system, so it's not apples to oranges, but it also shows what happens when other places don't have their stuff together. Let me read from the article. We can pull it from the BBC. We'll read a little bit from the article. You can get fuller details from it by going to our website and clicking the full link. But here's what went down in Ethiopia early last week. Ethiopia's parliament has voted to dissolve the government of the northern Itchigre region amid a dispute which has escalated into armed conflict. In an emergency session, parliament declared the Tigray administration legal and voted to replace it. On Friday, Prime Minister Abe Ahmed said airstrikes had been carried out on military targets in Tigray. There are fears the conflict could lead to a civil war, which could also destabilize neighborhood and co- neighboring countries. Apologies for that. The leaders of Tigray dominated Ethiopia for many years, but Mr. Abre came to power in 2008 on the back of anti-government protests and curbed their influence. They say they have been unfairly targeted by purges and alleged allegations of corruption and say Mr. Abe in a legal leadership because his mandate ran out when he postponed the elections due to coronavirus. UN has called for a, quote, the escalation in the fighting, unquote. Deeper details into what's going on there. Like we said, this is uh, how they do it when they do the full parliament style. And you see this in many places where they have the South, where something will happen and the government will basically dissolve itself or their vote to dissolve bits and pieces of government. Uh, It's the difference from what we have here in the States, obviously, where it's a purely two party system. And it's also just sort of weird in, in general, the way we run things. And the experiment here seems to work. I won't say it works so much better because I don't want to necessarily cut down the other people's governments, but it works. We stick with it, even with our kooky electoral college, and that makes us pretty interesting, especially in times like these. Uh, but that's how other people do it in other nations. And whether it works or not is all sort of how all basically based on how things work out. This is a very serious situation there going on in Ethiopia, and it's very a serious situation that the U.N. is keeping an eye on, and we should probably keep a better eye on as well. We are a bit distracted here in the States with other things that may or may not be as important, but we should keep an eye on things as well. Uh, we'll see what we can keep following up on this story, and we'll see if it continues to stay in range. Now, when we talk about the super stories, uh, that some of the super stories, some of the combinations actually helped keep this story high in the list or high enough to be a top 10 story. 
And some actually went against it. We'll tell you about that as we get closer to those. At number nine, the first of our rapper stories, which shows that I'm totally out of touch with the generations here. Number nine, 20-year-old Lil Loaded turns himself in for murder. Posted on Tuesday, the 10th of November, this story gets a bump in response from the number 10 story of 8.22%. It has been a long time since XXL has been one of my main sources of music or information because I don't know any of these people at this point in time. So it's like I said, I'm out of touch on this stuff. Here's the update of the story uh, posted on November 11th. As we said, we posted the story originally on the 10th. The next day, they did update to the full story coming from the Dallas Morning News. If you're a fan of this guy, then this is something that you'll want to know about. If you're not a fan, it made the top 10. So it's something that people talked about. Here's the update. An arrest warrant affidavit obtained by Dallas Morning News gives further details on the events leading up to Lil Lotus' arrest on murder on November 9th. Lil Lotus was arrested for 18-year-old Khalil Walker's death. Walker was allegedly shot in the torso with a rifle by Lil Lotus outside of a home in Dallas, the Woods neighborhood, on October 25th. Sorry for the bad reading. According to the affidavit, Lil Lotus, Walker, and a witness were outside the home when Walker's sister, who was inside, heard two gunshots. Lil Lotus and the witness were standing over Walker, who was lying injured in the street when Walker's sister went outside. She subsequently called 911 to report the shooting, then reportedly looked at Walker's phone, which had a video that allegedly showed Lil Lotus shooting Walker. Walker was taken to the hospital by Lil Lotus and witnesses in a car. Once there, Lil Lotus drove the witnesses back to the home Walker was shot at and left. On November 9th, 15 days after Walker's death, Lil Lota turned himself in for Walker's death. Walker reportedly goes by the same name Savage Boosie, a friend of the rapper. Sorry about that bad reading. Lil Lota's bail was initially set at $500,000. has now been reduced to $75,000. You can read the original story, how the original write-up came up on XSL at our website. This is a conversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, which is, of course, week ending November the 14th. 2020 links for every single story from top to bottom from number one to 196 are there so you can go through and see the due diligence and see what stories did not make the list and you can determine why they were less important than the other ones let's move on to the story at number eight no a Pornhub banner didn't really pop up on cnn's magic wall posted on friday the 6th of november with a bump in response from number nine story of 80, I'm sorry, 6.33%. Uh, I can't read anything today, apparently. So this is a, a funny little thing that about the internets where you can basically make things up, put it out there, say, hey, check this thing out, and then find that people will just simply believe it. That just didn't make any sense. Uh, and, and you don't necessarily have to wait for people to respond to the fact that it wasn't fake. It wasn't real. It was fake. You can go ahead and act like it was real and pretend you fought fellow for it and then you know pretend like you knew it all along in the back end. A video that was pretty much obviously doctored uh, showed a clip that had Wolf Blitzer speaking for a moment, tossing to John King, doing some magic wall work on election night, and where it has a pause where there's a porn, uh, dot hub, pornhub.com banner that's floating at the top of the magic wall. He seems to touch it. It goes away. He turns around and uh, essentially waits for his cue, which is your cue that that's what's happening. It's totally fake the overlay was really really badly done and the fact that the don't work the magic browser in the uh the magic wall in the browser 
And John Keynes probably does have has enough sense because, you know, everybody else, including sex wife Dana Bash, is at the other end of the studio looking at him um, that he's not probably watching porn in between magic wall hits. It just didn't make any sense. It seemed really, really stupid. And the banner itself uh, was so poorly done that anybody who spent more than 20 minutes on YouTube can see what's going on. However, because the the shot was sent uh, from, you know, a cell phone video in vertical form, of course, from a TV that was spliced together, it's been an hour or so out there where people thought it was real. It wasn't. There you go. At number seven, after Notre Dame's win over Clemson, college football's playoff race set still too close to call. Sunday, the 8th of November, and the bumper response from this story from the number eight story 15.48%. Pretty big deal. College football, always a pretty big deal. And this year, it's an extremely big deal as no one really knows what's really going on in the situation. Obviously, we had the start of the season that was the start minus two football conferences. And then the two, all the rest of them, they had football. They started. The other two began their football late. Uh, We've already had games missed and real situations messed up because of COVID-19 tests and players not being able to play. And this is a case where the powerhouses that were expected uh, did not do so well. Clemson, who has essentially been a number one favorite ever since they went to the new format with the championship series. I think they've been in the championship series all single years, somewhere between the first and the fourth seed, which obviously how you make that. I think they've been in playoffs every single year so far. Them in Alabama. Uh, Clemson, the powerhouse that's expected to do the best, is not doing so great. At least didn't do so great that day versus Notre Dame. Now, this is going to be a season where college football is going to be not necessarily an asterisk for the championship. This is going to be a big question mark on how valid it is when the playing fields are not very equal. Some conferences are having off-conference games where you get a chance to tune things up and, of course, let the lower bowl, lower bowl games get Guys get paid for playing those big guys. Uh, some conferences started late. Some conferences are going to be short of, or some teams are going to be short of some games because of COVID switching and some weird weather stuff going down in Florida and Texas this year. That's been a thing as well. Basically, if you're a college football fan, it's going to be a wait and see what's going to happen this year and whether they'll actually play the championship games and how they'll be played. Those will probably happen. The championship games will probably happen, but since it's still wrapped up in the bowl system, it's going to be hard to send a lot of teams to bowl games for, for against teams you hadn't played in a while and had been near of the whole season. And, of course, with very few fans in the stands. By bowl season, there may be a bigger chance of vaccines, a bigger chance of people with a uh, better sense, to be honest, of what's, what's happening and be able to keep themselves, take care of themselves in these situations. There might be more of a fan situation for these things. But for most of the teams who don't have a shot in the championship or are close but not close enough to actually make the big money. Big money comes from going to a bowl game, getting paid by the sponsors, getting stuff for the kids, and having that exposure, uh, one, to the, the a team that you don't normally play in most cases, another on a national level in a, in, a, in a spot on TV that most places don't get there. Although the oddest thing is, with the lack of West Coast football this season, I've had a chance to watch in the early part of the college football season more Louisiana Tech football games than I think I've ever seen, barring when I actually went to school and was at all the games working in some capacity. It's 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 been amazing. And they've been a very good team, which is also a cool thing as well. I don't know how we got the luck of having Mike Golick call basically all our games, 
But I guess, you know, if you can't host Mike and Mike, he can he can call football games for Louisiana Tech, I guess. But right now, we're all just sort of waiting on pins and needles to see how this whole football thing is going to actually play out for this season. We all just have to kind of see. At number six, the other rapper, the other rapper shooting story we have is rapper King Von shot and killed in Atlanta. On Friday, the 6th of November, we got this one. And this story um, was a pretty high-ranking story for Facebook as well, or for Twitter as well, I should say. Twitter runs the thing, but it's higher-ranking despite the fact we had a bunch of different uh, super stories. We'll get to one in just a moment. It was because this is also the highest-ranking Facebook story of the week. This story had the most votes, if you will, the most response on Facebook this week. And as we, uh, I guess I haven't said yet, the bumper response go from 7 to 6, very slight, just 1.03%. Now, Rapper King Vaughn, another person I don't know because I'm way too old for this stuff at this point. But King Vaughn, a popular rapper uh, who lives in Atlanta. Uh, and the thing about this one, the source is TMZ. And TMZ actually obtained some video, which they even call graphic in the thing, about the shooting. And it actually went to dispel some of the initial rumors that went on. Uh, rumors went through because this is how we do things with rumors that he was well he was shot outside of a nightclub in Atlanta and the rumors initially said that he was shot by police a lot of the, that went down what actually turned out in some of the updates was that he was not shot by the police department in Atlanta he was shot in a initial scuffle where shots were fired between two groups of people that were there before police even got there to break things up uh, they got they were there got on the scene and he took care of things as quickly as possible there is not an update to his um to the whole initial thing so uh it, it other than the fact that we know he was shot and killed at the scene more details on what's going on uh, they basically just confirmed that the video was true and it was a shooting of the shooting the scuffle that happened before police got there so you have that video that adds to the color of what's going on but for more details on the story you might want to go search this thing online if it's something that you that you're not in the know for king von music uh, or go to our website, thisistheconversation.com, click the link for the Excuse Podcast for the week ending November the 14th, 2020. And we have the list, listing here, including a link to the video, which it does say graphic, that you can see of the shooting going on and how things worked out. You, we're go how things are deeper really going to work out. You'll just have to kind of follow along with the story as we will. We'll see if more of these things pop up. This was a just an odd week where we had two of these types of stories, rappers involved in gun violence, not the norm for us here and not exactly suspect for the widest world audience. But we do often have times where we hit the right thing at the right moment. And this is one, as we said, the top rated countdown story we have with Facebook this week. So Facebook made sure this one uh, made it in. It probably would have been somewhere in the range of either the 11 through 15, pretty close to being in range or a lower 10. Facebook made sure it pushed it up to the spot at number six and stayed there. And now we'll explain super story stuff because we're at one of the first ones right now. And this one's an interesting one because this two stories we combined for the super story uh, essentially would have been or they basically were number 14 and 15 stories for the week. But because they were the same person, but different stories, it was sort of a, a last minute decision to put them together and see what would happen. It moved it from 14 and a 15 to the story at number five, a solid five right there in the middle. And this story. Bumper response with the combination of 26.53% from the number six story uh, is, well, the the one, they were posted basically Wednesday and Thursday on the 11th and the 12th this week here inside of this November week. 
Here are the two headlines we talked about, and we'll go deeply or we'll go quickly into the two stories because it's basically two stories about one person, but they were so close together to being in there because people cared about her that we made it one story to put it in a countdown. Headline number one, Kelly Clarkson sports an eye patch on The Voice. And number two, Kelly Clarkson legally hits back at father-in-law mid-split, demands money made off her be returned. So the story number one for the eye patch is a very simple one, a really silly in her. She explains the case. She got an eye infection back in September, back in the early shooting of The Voice. Uh, it, so obviously it takes a while to go through the, the, the stages for the auditions and everything like that. So uh, way back when, it just turned out that she was filming for The Voice. She had some wardrobe picked out, and she had this eye infection going on. So she wore the eye patch and the outfit, and she ended up looking like some sort of pirate assassin, and she had fun with it as she did. And so that was the explanation of what was going on from back in September. She had this thing going on, and only now in November are we seeing the eye patch, the evil Kelly Clarkson uh, showing up on The Voice for a couple a couple days of shooting. That's it. That's all we got on that one. It's a very serious and a, a very, uh, very simple and um, not so serious explanation. She wasn't on an evil spree. She did not have her eye poked out in a knife fight. It just she had a little infection and she had the tape because that's how schedules work. The second story, a bit more serious, a, a lot more going behind this one. Kelly Clarkson is in a fight with her management company of 13 years. It's called Star Trek Management Group, and it's owned by her strange husband's father. Her husband is, or her strange husband is Brandon Bar Blackstock. They're working through the divorce stuff right now. Narvel Blackstock owns the company and says there's about a $1.4 million that um, there's some money that's not been paid uh, in addition to um, what has been paid so far, $1.9 million. This story, even though the source is People Magazine, goes deep into the weeds of the contract and the money and stuff real quickly. So check out the link at our website, thisistheconversation.com, and it's to click on this week's podcast. And it's listed together. Number five has two links for both stories. And it does seem like we're sneaking in extra stories this week. I just, because the two stories with the same person were literally so close together and right there on the tail end of almost into the top ten, when I added them together, they basically put them in the top 10 at number five, shifting some things slightly. And we'll explain a bit more with the other super stories, which are to come very shortly. At number four now, we have the story at number four. Here's the headline. This is one of the rudest states in America. And I was really weirded out about, about posting it as that, but I didn't. Uh, I, I saw it on my phone. I didn't really have the sense to kind of rewrite it on my phone. And in fact, when I sent it, I sent it with the... Um, the tag that it had from the, from the website it came from, bestlife.com or bestlifeonline.com, it was there. So it was kind of weird seeing that in there once I went through to clean things up for the podcast. But this is one that a lot of people jumped onto, and some of our uh, our usual suspects really responded to this one in Twitter, and they picked it out pretty quickly, which one it was, and were not surprised. The bumper response to this story is 20.97% from the five story. So it was that big, even from whatever the original story in between there, which was the rapper story, essentially. And we posted it on Wednesday, the 11th of November. And it has really little to do with any sort of Veterans Day thing. But it is the talk of the towns, if you will. Guess which is the rudest state in America? I'll give you a moment to think about it. You can imagine Jeopardy music in the background if you want to. But the rudest state of America, per says this uh this survey on Best Life happens to be New York. 
New York, New York, the city that's named twice and the state that's named, well, named once because it's part of the city. But New York is considered by the survey reviewed by Business Insider as the rudest city in America. And why they needed to do this survey is, I'm not quite sure, but it's just, you know, it's that this, we're, we're kind of running out of stories right now. We're running out of stuff. And in the moment right now with all the, the yik-yak about the the coronavirus and, and, and the election and all the stuff going on, that really is really is stressful, really is just, just kind of, ah, you know, we, we do need some things that can kind of blow away, blow some steam and just kind of just have some fun with. And because it is what it is, New York is the rudest state of America. And New Yorkers kind of agree. And New York City, by, by the way, pretty much considered the rudest city in America. And New Yorkers are pretty quick to agree. If you agree or disagree, let me know by emailing me us. Emailing me us. Now, what kind of language is that? Emailing me and or us at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. We can have this conversation offline and just kind of go deeper. Whether you think New York has been unfairly classified or fairly classified or maybe some other stories could make their way into the mix uh, along with what's going on. You let me know by just talking to me in the emails. That's at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Our next story is a super story that had similar designs to the story that we had for the number six, which was two stories about Kelly Clarkson. This is two stories about the same movie and the same essential, the same essential outcome from the movie but two different people involved i'll clear it up by basically just reading you the two headlines that we have together at number three johnny depp leaves role of grinwald for fantastic beast three and colin farrell reportedly won't return as grinwald in fantastic beast three because of the batman Grindelwald, I think I mispronounced that. I have not seen Fantastic Beasts 1 or 2, so apologies for that one. The younger story, which was the Johnny Depp story, uh, posted on, or actually the, the, the more the higher rated story originally was Johnny Depp's part of the story on Friday, the 6th of November. And the Colin Farrell story came in uh, somewhere in the um, 11 through 15 range. But because they were essentially the same character from the same movie in the sequel. Oh, by the way, there'll be Fantastic Beasts 3. There's your there's your um the lead being buried there. Uh, the combined story effort gave it a bump in response of forty six point six seven percent jump from the number four story. So I'm going to read you from the Colin Farrell story because it basically since it was a second story and it was a response to what was going on tells you what's going on. And if you're not a fan of Fantastic Beasts, which is technically I, I said it and so you can fight me about it uh, a sequelish type story to or grown-up version type story for the harry potter stuff here's what you need to know fantastic beast 3 recently saw johnny depp depart the project after the grindon wall actor was asked to resign by warner brothers after a court case but the obvious re-recasting choice of colin farrell who played the villainous wizard in disguise throughout much of the first Fantastic Beast is unlikely to come to fruition. Variety reports that because of Farrell's work playing Oswald's penguin cobblepot on the Batman, he's not going to be available for Fantastic Beast 3 filming. So if you saw some of the, the pictures out there of Mr. Farrell as the penguin, you can see that his Oswald cobblepot is a pretty good looking uh, penguin and it looks nothing like, like, like Colin Farrell. So, He's busy to retake the role he started, uh, which was taken over by Johnny Depp in the second movie. 
But because of the legal stuff he's got going on with his wife, the people behind Fantastic Beasts said, Mr. Depp, please don't come back. And he obliged. We're not sure who's going to take in this spot, but we will see what's going to happen. Some updates have Mads Mikkelsen uh, in talks to replace the role. Uh, we'll see if that's something that is worth repeating, something that comes official. And if you guys want to talk about it, like I said, we put the two stories together. Johnny Depp was essentially in this spot right here at the third spot anyway. And the addition of the part for Colin Farrell didn't raise the stakes that much because it was a pretty much a big jump from the number four story, the rudest state of America. It was already there. It just basically stretched the distance from three to four by a bit, not moving very much, but of course making range for other stories to shift up just in the almost rands this week. At number two, Pittsburgh Steelers bought dinner for Allegheny County election workers counting ballots overnight. Friday, the 6th of November, we posted this one bump in response of 24.09%. This is a heartwarming story, even if you are a hater of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. This is a cool story because Pittsburgh, um, Pennsylvania itself, was uh, basically all eyes on it for such a long time with people counting votes for that state in the last election. And the Steelers did what rich people do in times to show off that they're rich and they care about people doing something that actually shows that they care. They bought dinner for all the people counting votes overnight working. And that's and it really is a kind of a, a, a oddity in the whole thought process because the people working elections and people working polls and people working these things, they either usually have other jobs and they were kind of moonlighting to make this thing happen or they're a lot of them are retirees with not a lot of things to do. So they have the ability to work the long hours and work the odd hours to be at the polls, either for early voting or for taking in stuff at the county clerk's office for, for early mail-in ballots and staying up all night to count ballots as they come in. So we commend those guys as real heroes uh, the last week, uh, counting ballots in elections. Some ballots still being counted in some places, some places doing recounts right now, uh, and some some places with runoff elections essentially doing more elections that quickly. So uh, we are glad to be able to salute the real the very real heroes of our election cycle this time, which, by the way, uh, we may see that pops up in the story uh, because I think they posted late on on Thursday or late on, or on Friday for the most secure election in our history. Uh, the people who basically are on the front lines battling all the demons and all the trolls to make sure that things worked out as smoothly as possible, despite the outcome coming out either in favor or not in favor of the guy. You voted for I'm saying guy because I'm talking about the presidential election, but essentially guys or gals that you voted for. And the number one story is a super story. And this is a weird one in its own. We'll explain more about the, the pieces uh, once we get into the, the titles of the story. But it is two stories wrapped around one guy, even though one story's uh, not exactly about the guy. And this was posted. The, the main story that was number one by leaps and bounds was posted on Monday, the 9th of November. This combined has the top Twitter following, which by leaps and bounds, which it was anyway. And the total, well, the, the total for its bump in response, nearly 10, nearly a thousand percent. John can't read today. Nine hundred ninety five point six percent bump in response from the number two story. 
That's the combination. Now, without the combination, it wasn't quite that high, but it was pretty high up there. Now, the bump in response from the number 10 story, which was Ethiopian parliament dismissing the Tigray uh, leadership uh, there, uh, that bump in response was 3,997%. And from the story at the very, very bottom, which is 196, we'll give you that headline as we go out today. That headline is less responsive than by, get this, 149,000. That's 149,000. That's what the comma comma goes. 450%. And for all practical purposes, that was a normal bottom. But the top, very abnormal. And this is abnormal because for two weeks in a row, we're talking about Carl Lenz, the former pastor for Hillsong. Now, last week, we had the story that posted late Thursday, I think, and it just went bonkers high at the top, a, a big explosion as well. Uh, to be the top story, where he was fired for admitting he had an affair and stepping out against his wife. Uh, Carl Lentz, of course, the, the the leader of Hillsong Church here in in, in America, in New York City, uh, of course, branched off from Australia. Big, very big, I will say diverse, it's pretty diverse, but it's a big, if glitzy, without trying to be kind of, kind of, kind of play it down, Sort of glitzy, a lot of music, a lot of this powerful ballad songs, a lot of singing, a lot of a lot of joining in, in stuff like that. Um, he was fired last week. The headline that was tops and tops by leaps and bounds, as you say, is Justin Bieber's pastor, Carl Lenz, fired, lied, lied, can't read today, to New York City beauty during a fair and said he was an unmarried sports agent. So that's part of the super story here. Uh, the fact that we got more details about the actual other side of the the, the, the the affair or the actual affair. Now, on the other side of the business end, Caleb, celeb pastor Carl Lentz's wife is also fired over husband's affair. So combined, the two are just larger than life. The second part about the wife being fired uh, was a story that was actually a lower part of the top 10. So it didn't make that much difference on the top end. It just added to the buffer of how high the story went. Now, why is this important? I don't necessarily know because, like I said, I don't choose the stories. I place them inside the, the place them inside the social media, and over the course of a week, you guys jump on this one. And this one was posted on Monday, and this one was jumped on pretty quickly. The big part. So I think the main reason why it was so big was it had essentially a similar response as it did last week when we found about the firing. I'm going to read from I'm going to basically try to back away from any commentary because it really isn't fair in this situation. But I'm going to read from the second story uh, that was posted on the Daily Mail from the UK. Uh, and because it's so tabloid, they basically bullet everything out there. And it's it's hard to read one because it's a hard story to take in. And two, because the Daily Mail puts up so many pop ups and things that it moves things around so much. But I'm going to read basically the bullet point stuff from the story to kind of give you all you need to know just in case. You missed out on last week's show or just just somehow missed out the fact that Carl Lenz and who he is, how a big a deal this is. And maybe to you, it's not a big deal. But this is essentially the write up that takes care of both headlines with what happened this week. OK, so Laura, 40, was also fired from her role as a leader of Hillsong Church because of Lenz's firing. Multiple sources told The Sun. Church leaders reportedly dismissed Laura because, quote, if a married couple both work at the church and one is terminated, they both will be fired immediately, unquote. That's policy for the church. And if you don't like it, you should not work for that church or you should have some pretty good legal representation to fix that one. When the affair emerged last week, 
Hillsong said both Carl and his wife had left. That was what they they stated. They did not reveal that she'd been forced out by them because her husband, as sources are now claiming. Lenz is said to have started that affair with a fashion designer, Ryan Kemen, in May. They met in Domino Park, Williamsburg, and she gave him her phone number. Raining now admits she knew he was married and who he was, but that he was like a drug to her. So the words about her lying to him, lying to her may have been true, but she had some idea somewhere in between. And she also says she researched his phone number once she had it, and she knew exactly who he was pretty quickly into the thing. But you know how drugs are, people. Drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. And don't do adultery at the same time. I'm sorry. I said I was going to see other commentary. I'm sorry. That's the deal with that couple there. Now, however, they are going to do to fix things. Uh, Carl Lenz has, has basically said, you know, Lenz, I should say, has said, you know, on privacy for the family, doing what he can to make things up. Their teenage daughter is doing what they can to kind of defend her father. Uh, there's a lot of big things that happen when you are famous, semi-famous, is famous in some circles. He may not be Kobe Bryant. But to a lot of people, he's just as big of a star. And we will see how this family comes together uh, to write this ship or not write the ship, if you will. This is a, a matter that because, like I said, he's kind of famous, we'll be all into. But a lot of us need to kind of back away and stay out of. We will definitely have updates to this one. I didn't expect to have two updates to the story in this week so fast and have them be such light such a fire in the people but you guys wanted to know the store this podcast this countdown is driven by what you guys want so that's that's how we do that so before we get to the story at the very bottom the almost relevant story of the week that's number 196 this week of stories you have posted let's go into some details some um some stats and figures and behind the scenes stuff as we said we had three stories this week which are super stories and they were essentially the same story or same topic or some sort of update to them and they made not much difference on the placement except for the stories with the kelly clarkson stories those stories were not quite in range they're literally stories number 14 and 15 this week not quite in range to be in the top 10 combine the two they're in the middle of the pack the Johnny Zepp story was a, basically a number one story. The Justin Bieber-led uh, story, and might because Justin Bieber was in the title, um, about the 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 affair and the lying about it, which, of course, wasn't so much lying. That was definitely number one. Uh, adding in the bits and pieces of those two, two pieces just stretched the distance between three and four and one and two. And with that being said, that meant that the Pittsburgh Steelers story about the buying dinner for the collection workers that was always number two, which is the basically the, the best thing to know about this week's stuff. We, now, to give you context of what this stuff means, uh, over because of the very large engagement of the number one story this week, the number one story had 38.62% engagement on its own. That's That number is way out of whack because normally it's closer to 10, maybe on the high end, around 16% on that end. So because of that high engagement there, everything else being more or less normal, the top 10 stories this week had total engagement for the entire week of 54.09%. So over half of the engagement this week was in the top 10, when normally that's about 30%. That's an off. That's definitely off. For 11 through 15, stories that did not make it quite in there, the only one that we've talked about here was story at 11 with Tony LaRussa. Uh, the the range for those engagement are about where they are, 4.12%. Between 4 and 6% is essentially where those stories are. Now, the engagement for the story at the very bottom is pretty much where it should be as well, 
0.03%. Not a lot of engagement this week. It got little engagement, but it was like we normally expect. A story posted late on Thursday, so not enough time to really gain any traction. A lot of stories late Thursday, early Friday don't go very far. This is one that basically fit that mold. Oh, by the way, 8.83% total engagement on Twitter this week, which is, I'm, I'm sorry, on Facebook this week, which is more like normal, and 91.17% engagement on the Twitter. So we're back to more or less a normal faction for what we happen have this we usually have where a lot of people on Twitter and this is basically drawn off by the uh, Carl Lynn story. To be honest, we expect things to be a bit more evened out next week. Bring me back past ten percent for Facebook engagement. If you want more engagement on the Facebook stories, that means you follow us on Facebook and engage there as well. But to get ready to wrap the show up, let's tell you what story was at the very bottom this week. Here's your headline: Stray Cat brings all her babies to meet the woman who helped her. That's the headline. Thursday, the 12th of November is the day we posted that one. As we told you, this one was less responsive than the number one story by 149,450%. This story is a four-minute read from the Dodo, and since we've gone longs already, let's go ahead and read as much of it as we can. Lizanne was in her yard one summer day when she spotted a fluffy black cat wandering nearby. The cat belonged to a colony of strays near her home in Quebec, Canada, and seemed hungry, so she put out a bowl of food and water. There's a mistake number one. Lizanne named the cat Uzagi, and the two settled into a routine. Lizanne would set out food for the waiting cat, and each passing day, Usagi began to trust her more and more. Usagi's belly started to grow, and Lizanne realized that it wasn't from her diet. With this routine, the lady gained confidence, and the kitty started getting close. Chatham's Ophrenus Montreal, a local rescue group, wrote on Facebook, the kitty gave birth outside, but she came back every day to eat. Weeks passed, and Usagi decided it was time to introduce Lisan to her little family. The cat brought her, her ba- out her babies one by one, with all six lined up on Luzanne's porch. Six-week-old kittens looked like miniature versions of her mom, and it was clear that the little family needed help. Lizanne coaxed the mom and babies into her house and called the rescue group Chaton Orphan Montreal. The mom and her six babies were finally safe, Chaton's Orphans Montreal wrote. That's weird. They wrote all that stuff every single time. Lizanne decided to keep the mom and treated and spayed all of the other, all of her, all, and treated and spayed her and one of her friends took one of the kittens under the wing. Sorry for the poor reading on the back end of that one. There was actually a button where I could have played that and got played out and not had to read it. But I'm sure there's copyrights on that one. But there's your story that got very little love, very little attention. Although it's probably the sweetest story that I've actually read all week long with through the 196. If you want to go through all 196 stories this week, oh, by Lord, uh, bless your heart. But it's possible by going to our website, thisistheconversation.com, click on the link for this week's podcast and seeing links for every single story that we charted inside the whole shebang. But the whole shebang is all done now. So this is the part where we start wrapping things up. To be a part of the shebang and make it whole, you just have to vote. And voting is very simple. You follow us on social media. Follow the conversation at TH underscore conversation on your Twitter. And on Facebook, it is This is the Conversation. Search for This is the Conversation, and you'll see us as a little blue search bubble-looking, a speech bubble-looking thing. As you see stories popping up in your feed, like them, love them, hate them, share them, the more engagement they get over the span 
of a week plus uh, four or five hours, you know, there you go, uh, the higher the score they get. Every single end of the week, we put them into a spreadsheet that gives you a score, combining the Facebook and the Twitters into a fair range and a single score. And we give you the listings from top to bottom. And we t- count down the top 10 stories, 10 to 1, here on this podcast. Now, if you found some enjoyment in this podcast or some actual you know, good stuff from the podcast, let me know. Email me at theconversationinbox at gmail.com and we can chat about anything. You can also go to thisistheconversation.com slash partnerships and see if there's a way that we can hook up and we can get together and help keep this thing going. This is a labor of love, but it is, it is a lot of labor and it takes resources. So anything you can offer up to help us out by either becoming a, a, a certified sponsor or certified partner or just clicking on the links of any of our sponsors inside of any of our fees, inside of our products, and buying from them. We get a bit of affiliate kick from that, so we thank you very much on those ends as well. And the most important thing that you should do is basically subscribe to the podcast so you're not missing out on the podcast every single week, and share it with other people, like-minded folks who are looking for greater conversations. It's that simple, folks. It's all about trying to see what stories are being missed out in the a wash of things that are really important. The mainstream media are turning out some really important stuff, although some of the stories get a little overdrawn. These are some of the stories that a lot of people thought were worth talking about, even alongside the other things. You can be a part of it. You do the bulk of the work, I have to say. You tell me why. I pick none of these. I've dropped the stories just in as they pop into the news feeds. You do go through our news feed and tell us which stories are actually important. With all that, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. We record this on Saturdays now, so we already have a day and a half of stories in the can. They're already fighting their way to stick around for the full week. We had a lot of stories that fought their way to stick away from Friday. Four Friday stories in the top ten this week. That's an amazing thing. We'll see how many stories from Friday that we've not talked about because it's been time past. We'll survive into the next recording we do next Saturday. So, for all the crew, all the folks behind the Conversation Project and this podcast, the weekly wrap up. I am Jacob Payne saying thank you, thank you, thank you. We will talk to you next week and we'll go through the stories that you, yes, you told me were the most important stories to chat about on the weekly wrap up with Jacob and Payne. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>